Trading. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Warrior Connection. Information and education. If you listen to the Progressive Radio Network, you get incredible information to make your life better. Dr. Gurry knows all of the people, the hosts, the guests are absolutely incredible. Well, we're going to continue it on. We see continue to have a nightmare with the Department of Veteran Affairs, the Department of Defense, trying to get all the bases cleaned up, trying to get medical care, and it's a non-ending nightmare. We're going to welcome back today to the program Patricia Axelrod. She is a MacArthur Foundation scholar, director of the Desert Storm Think Tank, all veterans advocate. She's been working with veterans for over 30 years, trying to help them, trying to represent them, and she's an ongoing caseworker on a daily basis for uh, veterans, ladies and gentlemen. Patricia, welcome back to Warrior Connection. Oh, thank you, Doug, and thank you so much for inviting me. Hello, everybody. It's lovely to be here. Cheers, everyone. We're working with this total nightmare of base contamination that we're trying to get done, but there's also major problems on retaliation against whistleblowers in the VA and people trying to get care, isn't there, right as we speak? You betcha. Let me just dust off my armor because I've been engaged in this since 6.15 this morning whereupon a whistleblower, and when I say a whistleblower, I'm talking about a mucky muck here, rang me up and told me that he was scheduled to go before an administrative investigative board as he had been charged with uh, creating a so-called, quote, hostile environment in um, in a VA facility or federal facility, end quote, As a consequence, I might add, of the fact that this good person has indeed spoken out repeatedly about the failures of the VA and, in fact, the failure of the VA to even provide adequate staff for him. This is a a medical person to provide uh, adequate staff, even adequate medical equipment uh, to the degree that the poor veterans who are in need of service are unfortunately hurt to the and this is a this is you'll have to forgive me folks I must confess to you that there is something called the Privacy Act and so therefore I am unable to disclose any more information than that but I am telling you that this this poor person is in danger of losing his VA pension and being besmirched to such a degree that it's unlikely, if they succeed in doing this, that he will ever be able to work again in the United States. You know, Jim Benz has confirmed all of this in his written letter to Congress and to the VA secretaries when we work for Shinseki all of the fraud, the waste, and the abuse, and then myself, I've seen it over and over again. And you and I have worked on my own case where we had direct retaliation, confirmed retaliation from senior Department of Veteran Affairs officials against me, senior Department of Defense officials against me. And when we, you and I personally took it to the director of the Danville VA, nothing happened. The only thing no, that happened is we can't get medical care. I mean, and you fight and argue for medical care, which is what I have to do on a daily basis without no, any and I'm, success. I'm sorry to say, Doug, nothing is going to change. That is the truth. The bottom line is this. I will say it, and I will say it, and I will say it again and again. The VA 
the facilities, the hospitals, the medical care, all of that must be abolished. All of it must be abolished. It is so corrupt, so filthy, that it is beyond repair. And I will tell you this, it must be replaced with a Medicare-like system. You know, we had an individual, and he was known as Deep Throat. When we did the movie Thanks for Grateful Nation, starring Ted Dance and Mark Helgenberger, and all of us were in there, obviously the great congressman, Chris Shays, the incredible, incredible Bernie Sanders, the incredible Dennis Kucinich were in this. And this was about the work of Jim Toot and what they at that time did. Jim Toot did the work for the United States Senate, Senator Regal from Michigan, totally, as you know, totally confirmed that the U.S. Army, the U.S. Air Force shipped the chemical weapons, the anthrax, weaponized anthrax, and West Nile virus to Iraq to use on the Iranians, Iraqi Kurds, and then on the U.S. military. And, well, you know, as you know, Doug, I worked with Jim Tewitt. You may recall that. Yeah, and you worked very closely with Jim. And the individual that blew the whistle on the inside of the VA, and you and I both have a copy of that document where it was decision was made that they were going to not provide medical care, knowing perfectly well all the complex toxic exposures resulting from this stuff. And Bill Eddy, he, he's long since gone to the Angels, but when all this happened, he worked with Jim Toot, he was terrified of retaliation against him and his family. As he was a lovely are. man, Doug. He was a lovely man, and he did everything that he could. I worked with him as well. Please go on. You know, it was it was just so much. And when you look at it, and if you can get a hold of the movie, Thanks for Grateful Nation, you can see it's all in there. I mean, Gary Knoll did his documentary, Killing Our Own. It's available on his website. Go there and pick it up. It's an incredible piece of work and document. And again, the same thing, his report from well over a year ago confirmed the problems are still existing. When we try to get medical care, what I've found and happened to me, and it's an ongoing thing here with the base contamination, the number of contaminations on the basis is staggering. The number of people that are affected and sick and dead is beyond imagination. In the last week since we did our last show with Bob Shaw, I've lost two more. Sergeant First Class David Allison, incredible Army combat medic, and then the incredible, the incredible Dr. Connie Boltwright. As you know, when we put all the training together for 1996 Atlanta Olympics, we put everything together for the Pope's visit. We trained the New York Police and Fire Department, 120 cities. Colonel Boltwright was our team chief, and she has found out that she has died from lung cancer, as did Rungi and Sitton and... Orel and Zuli and on and on and on. And then we see the contamination is beyond imagination at all these bases. Trichloroethylene is a major contaminant at all the bases. Uh, Ray, I don't know if you're back with us down at Fort. Yes. Ray, Hello, Ray. Ray. Level Hello, my friend. It's good Marine to hear Corps your base. voice. Ray, what's hey, the Patricia, level of contamination Ray, of the, the Marine Corps uh, base with trichloroethylene? May I, before we go on, for the benefit, uh, Doug, and I say this with the greatest respect to you, I know that we have new listeners today. And for the benefit of those who do not know you and your extraordinary contribution to the uh, veterans and others that you have made, 
I would very quickly like to put forth your credentials, and then, if I may, I would like to explain to our listeners uh, what it is you're talking about vis-a-vis the basis. In brief, Doug Rocky, gentleman who's on the phone, Dr. Doug Rocky, I might add, is a foremost world-class expert in what is euphemistically referred to as depleted uranium, something I, I refuse to call by that name and instead call radioactive weaponry. He was responsible for the OT&E, that's Operational Test and Evaluation, of this material. This is during his time when he was in, in active service. And he is the man, if, if, if you're old enough to remember Desert Storm, folks, and if you're not, let me tell you this. In Desert Storm, which occurred, it was a very brief war, as you know that, during which time we dropped, the United States and allies dropped 100 million tons of explosive power on the Iraqi people, and then were so uh, bold as to claim they only killed 13,000 people by that, I might add. But During that time, for those who do not know or are not privy to this information, we had more friendly fire, and friendly fire is fratricide, than we ever had uh, of those uh, of kills. And a kill is a term that you use in the military, and that's enemy fire. We lost more soldiers to friendly fire than we did to enemy uh, fire, firepower. The fact of the matter is, they had no way, the forces that be had no way of identifying friendly fire from uh, combat loss. And so, Doug Rocky, this man that we have right now, this is a miraculous man. This man and his team called... Uh, what were they called there? Bowers Raiders? What did you yeah, call Bowers them? Bowers Raiders and the DU team. So two teams, but most of the same people. Righto. These folks, and how many were you in total there? Well, our Bowers Raiders were just a handful of people. No, maybe. how many were you? What did you start out with? Well, out of total between the DU team and everything, maybe three or four dozen. Okay. So with that, and with that said... Doug Rocky and his team were dispatched and deployed to Iraq, whereupon it, they were tasked with the duty of, of identifying friendly fire from combat fire, from enemy fire. And he did this vis-a-vis a, um, a Geiger counter, especially calibrated to pick up alpha emissions. The bottom line with this is that it was he and his team who, in fact, went forward into Iraq post-war and indeed identified friendly fire by identifying the radioactive traces. That's how this was identified. Doug Rocky is also the man, as I started to say, who was responsible for 
the operational test and evaluation of the rounds. At that time, it was the A-10 only and 20-millimeter rounds uh, that were um, 20-millimeter rounds in, in a Gatling gun. That was, at that time, that was the sole uh, application of so-called depleted uranium or radioactive weaponry. It is Doug. He is the go-to man, and I am absolutely blessed to have worked with him since he came out of the military. Now, in advance of this, uh, may I just say this about that, although self-praise is no recommendation, I had already identified uh, radioactive weaponry or so-called depleted uranium as the cause of what we euphemistically then called Desert Storm Syndrome. And I submitted a report at the behest of the National Institute of Health on the factors contributing to Desert Storm Syndrome, citing what was then called Desert Storm Syndrome, which has gone into Persian Gulf War illness, Signing at that time, the paper was completed in 1994 and was to have been presented at a, uh, the first conference at the National Institute of Health, uh, which was heavily attended by veterans. And this was a conference on, on Desert Storm Syndrome. In fact, what happened was the NIH and the powers that be colluded to kill my study. So the bottom line is this. Let me get back to this. These are the radioactive weaponry. Beginning as early as, at, at, as early as 1994, I can assure you that the powers that be, including every president, including every secretary of defense, including all of the mucky mucks have done everything in their power to hide the effects of radioactive weaponry and all of the other factors contributing to what is now referred to as Persian Gulf War illness. And Doug and I have for years upon years done everything that we could to make, uh, make this known to the public at large. I will tell you that there has been an effort within the UN to condemn the use of radioactive weaponry as a, a crime against humanity to no avail. And I'm sorry to say that I would tell you this right now, that so-called depleted uranium is extremely effective. It is an extremely effective painkiller. It, uh, it essentially, upon impact, uh, creates a fireball and goes right through its target, tears through its target like like uh, a knife through butter, leaving behind any persons that are there uh, are cremated, absolutely cremated. And those folks became known as crispy critters. And they were so named by a team called Gray's Registration, or Greg. And these were the people responsible for collecting the dead from the battlefield. And this is why I can assure you of that. The, the, um, uh, the war, the Desert Storm War, ended. And let me remind everyone that this was not a win for the United States. This was a mutual standoff. There was no clear-cut win. They each, each side decided 
that they had had enough. And interestingly enough, just this is a really interesting little billy do. The reason the U.S. called it off was because the tanks had run out of gas. So with that said, that's the story of so-called radioactive weaponry. Vis-a-vis the bases, as, as Doug speaks of this, Doug and I have worked together for some many years, beginning with, uh, Doug, perhaps even your work predates in the Cullen Air Force Base, uh, but um, beginning with uh, a base in um, Sacramento, California, called the McCullen Air Force Base, it, it, which was used um, throughout the era of above-ground testing as well as onto and including the era of below-ground testing uh, as a base from which aircraft were deployed into fallout clouds. Every time there was a blast, any blast whatsoever, whatever it might have been, the last one that I know for a fact above ground was between um, was uh, uh, India, as I recall. But with that said, these aircraft flew into these clouds with specially designed filters, whereupon they gathered the fallout of that was was created by the nuclear blast. And the necessity of this, for those folks who do not know, and Doug, I know you will agree with me, is that every nuclear blast is a test. That's why they're called tests. And they never know exactly what they're going to be producing, the daughter products and so forth and so on. So therefore, it becomes necessary to fly into the, into the clouds and gather the fallout. Thereafter, what happened was, now, I want to remind you folks, for those who don't know, the McCullen Air Force Base is smack in the middle of Sacramento. It is surrounded by uh, uh, residents, by civilian population, and uh, it is, uh, it's, at that time, it was extremely important uh, to the defense of the United States. With that said, what these these uh, planes did was they flew into the cloud, they gathered the fallout, they came back to the base, the aircraft were washed off. That means all of that radioactive fallout was washed off and entered into the ground, thereby entering into the groundwater. They took that uh, filter, they boiled the filter, they extracted the radioactive, extracted and identified the radioactive isotopes. And then when they were done, they took these same glass beakers and they put them in 55-gallon drums. And thereafter, they took those 55-gallon drums and they stuck them in a pit. And this is where they started building housing and everything at Fort McClellan. That's right. They had a plan thereafter. So under Clinton, let me tell you, there are hundreds of 55-gallon drums in Sacramento at the McCullen Air Force Base. And then what happened, if you can believe this, talk about immoral acts, 
you folks may or may not remember that under Clinton there were many, many uh, Air Force bases that were decommissioned. And the, these bases were turned over to the, and this is what Doug is facing, I might add, right now. And this is what other folks are facing. And this is what people who are going to unwittingly move into these areas, these bases, which were, are, are now developed into residential communities. Folks, these 55-gallon these drums actually popped up, began popping up out of the ground and lay follow on the surface of the ground. And lo and behold, Sacramento County decided that they were going to take that base. After all, that's income, right? They were going to take that base and sell it, which they did to a developer. And there was a planned community inclusive of schools, everything, hundreds of homes, so forth and so on, that was going to be built right over that base. And I'll tell you something, that base was so radioactively contaminated. Now, I'm an Irish pit bull, I'm going to tell you this, and if there's a bloody document to find, I'm going to find it. And the bottom line is this. I began working with the, um, the RIB, and that is the, um, the Restoration Advisory Board, RAB, and that's what Doug is up against as well. That's what we're all up against, the, the, um, this, this committee of people. And I began working with them and became their advisor, as did Doug. Doug and I began working on this because we were hell-bent. We were going to stop that. We knew full well what that would do to the residents, the children, everyone else. And we were successful in stopping it. Subsequently, I might add, I was harangued, harassed, and so forth and so on, and we'll, we'll, we'll save that. But I wanted everyone to know what this discussion is vis-a-vis bases. This is now happening all over the country. All of these bases are bloody well filthy. Every one of them, all of them are filthy. And now what they aim to do is either move people into them, sell them off, or fail to address the contamination that is there. And people are sick and people are ill. I want you to know at the McCullen Air Force Base around there, they were creatures born with two heads. I am not kidding you. The, uh, the birth defect uh, rate around there, the cancer rate around there was extraordinary. An epidemiological study would find an extraordinarily disproportionate uh, factor of cancers, birth defects, stillbirths, and so forth. So and forgive me if I have prattled on. And then we've got That's learning what disabilities he's talking in the about children all over. Yes. So I'm sorry. I just wanted to lay down the foundation for that, if that's okay with you, Doug. Yeah, when we're looking at the stuff, when we look at all the incredible bases, trichloroethylene along with Agent Orange and all the pesticides is an incredible mess. Right here at Chinook Air Force Base, you've got trichloroethylene, the contamination. When I go to the Air Force and ask them to identify it, is we've got it, we know where it is, they'll say, we're going to clean it up. Okay, great. 
Now, you need to notify everybody of the extent of the contamination at the time you decided to clean it up and then extrapolate back to what the contamination is before when everybody was here. And they just simply refused to do it. And then I just lost one of our best friends, I mean, Major Bill Clayton. He was director of safety here when we did all the NBC training at Chanute and everything else. And then we did all the stuff, ran the air base, we ran the, he ran the museum. And we all got sick from digging around there, and he especially got sick and totally came down with the confirmed medical problems, which are confirmed today, you know, for exposure to trichloroethylene. But they just disavow it. And then the other thing, too, we have in all these base housings, when these housings were built in the 40s and the 50s, asbestos tile was used all over the place. Asbestos use was on pipes. And so it's extensive all over the place. And what I've been trying to get done here to no avail from any help at all, other than roadblock after roadblock, is to get not only all the trichloroethylene and the asbestos and lead paint cleaned up, but get everybody notified of what the medical problems are and that it affect us. But then, as you said, the physical attacks and the, the personal attacks are staggering. I mean, I go into the meeting as an elected board member, and you got individuals, and this is all documented, and say, well, Doug Rocky didn't do any of this stuff. He's lying. He makes it up. Nobody's sick. There isn't anything to do. So they shoot the messenger in order to avoid any accountability and responsibility for the incredible health effects. Now, Ray, you're at Campbell's U, North Carolina, which is totally contaminated with trichloroethylene, correct? Ray? Ray still... He might have dropped off. Anyhow, Campbell's U, North Carolina, U.S. Marine Corps base, the incredible contamination of trichloroethylene is staggering. You know, we've got it both in the, in the groundwater and in the water table. Uh, here at Chanute Air Force Base, it's not got yet so much that we can do into the water table in the drinking water but it's absolutely all over in the groundwater in the groundwater is where your fruit trees and your vegetable crops get their water from that's the water evaporates that gets into your house that's the water that the dogs and the animals drink and everything else so all these people are getting sick and then when you lay it on down and see and it's just not this base but it's base upon base upon base it's a nightmare and then when we were coming back, and this is especially when we had an air crash or anything, or we're doing training here at Schnoop, the firefighting foams. And, and that contamination now is uh, an emerging contamination. The number of bases that is staggering. Uh, this is a week ago last Sunday, Army Times had the release on the Department of Defense water contamination from all of the firefighting foams. And the neat thing about it in the story is the Air Force says, we're not going to be responsible. We're not going to be accountable. We're not going to pick up the money for the contamination. And then, as well, you know, anybody that speaks out, direct physical and psychological retaliation is, is a known and a given thing. And it's organized, and it's organized by the same individuals that are at all these bases covering up the stuff for everybody. To shoot Let all me the interject something, Doug. I'm terribly sorry. I have just Googled McCullen Air Force Base, and guess what, my dear? They built it. They built the housing on the contamination. But what they did they in some built areas, all they, of that. Yes, it's the all concrete built. down in the areas where we where the pits were. They covered it over with concrete as an air well. If we cover it over, it goes away, not realizing it's going to move. Well, let me tell you something. I have a document in hand that states that this base was so filthy 
that it had to be the entire, the, to clean up the base, it's called decontamination, folks, all right? And the way that that's done is essentially to dig up the soil and remove it. The bottom line is that I am in possession of a document that very clearly states the base is so filthy, they would have to dig up the entire base so that there would be nothing left. Every inch of soil would have to be removed. You know, we've got the same thing, and this goes back to the Army Regulation 700-48 that I wrote for by directive for General Eric Shinseki when I was the director of the Depleted Uranium Project. But again, as we all know, the military can, in the Air Force and right here locally, they contend, well, I wasn't there and I didn't do it, and nobody's sick. What we know when you use DU, that within 75 meters circumference radius around every single incident, you have to totally evacuate and get out of it. And you have to dig down at least uh, probably 18 inches to remove all the soil. Well, when we have this stuff and an A-10 fires it at 4,000 rounds a minute, that's a ton and a half of uranium radioactive materials on target in a, per minute. And it's totally contaminated. So the entire Middle East is contaminated. And when we work with the United Nations or we work with the Red Cross or the Red Crescent and all these areas are gone on site, People are sick all over, and the same thing is happening with the military. I mean, that's where Jim Benson, Department of Veteran Affairs, wrote his report. Gary Knoll did his documentary, Killer in Our Own. And, you know, and he wrote his report up here in February a year ago about what the contamination, the health effects are. Now we look at Vieques, Puerto Rico, which is totally contaminated from DU and all the other stuff from the U.S. Navy. We got Hawaii totally contaminated, and again, the same individuals that we all know show up out there, deny it, and threaten the people that are Jim Albertini and the real Hawaiians. They're trying to get it cleaned up, and there's nothing more than, well, we're not going to help you, or we're not responsible, or nobody is sick, and nobody has medical problems. Yet when we uncover their own documents, for example, the Department of Veterans Clinicians guides on Gulf War illness. I mean, when they acknowledge the fact that, remember, we had to have, as we know, and you've seen everything in Merle Nass was the doctor that did the work on anthrax. We know the U.S. Army, thanks to Jim Toot, and we knew it before the war, as our Bowers Raiders, that they had weaponized anthrax. Okay. That was a Can I given interject something? Thing. Jim Tewitt is dead now. He went to Desert Storm. He died prematurely. And let us just for one moment give this man a kudo. But please go on. Okay, anyhow. In the Department of Veteran Affairs, some things you know and need about veterans. The clinicians guide the Gulf War illness. The health effects from the anthrax vaccine are muscle and joint pain, paralysis, chronic fatigue and exhaustion, severe headaches, weight loss, chronic illness, memory problems, numbness in the legs and hands, spasms and spasm tremors in the limbs, diarrhea, and cardiac. Well, this is what happened from the anthrax vaccine because the vaccine was bad, and we knew we had to give it, and people got all different types of doses. We had squalene used in there as an adjuvant because the alum that's normally used as an adjuvant, you get one dose versus 100 doses. And then we go to the depleted uranium. This document states very clearly the health effects from depleted uranium exposure are, quote, sleep problems, mood swings, symptoms in upper and lower respiratory system, 
neuropsychological symptoms, including memory loss, chronic fatigue, immune dysfunction, skin rashes, unusual hair loss, aching joints, headaches, abdominal pain, sensitivity to light, blurred vision, menstrual disorders, and all the birth defects, gastrointestinal systems, you know, between diarrhea and constipation like a yo-yo, neurological disorders, numbness in the limbs, mobile chemical sensitivity, and incredible birth defects. And then when we look at trichloroethylene, Parkinson's is the primary. It's a neurological thing. May I interject something here, Doug, uh, for, for the folks that are listening? And before we go on, I'd like to say hello to Pauline, who is an avid listener and listens every week or as frequently as she can. So I would like to say hello to Pauline LaBecca. Pauline, hello, and thank you for listening. With that said, uh, what Doug is describing, the symptomology that he is describing is the same symptomology that would apply to something which was euphemistically referred to as Desert Storm Syndrome and is now known as Persian Gulf War Illness, which at last has an ICD-10 code. An ICD is a code that, that serves to, uh, to appoint a disease, believe it or not, or to characterize a disease or a series of symptoms as a disease to make this official. So all of the symptomology that he is describing is indeed consistent with Persian Gulf War illness, once known as Desert Storm Syndrome. And I can assure you uh, that, um, as an aside, I went to Desert Storm post-war and did a bomb damage assessment, as indeed Doug is well aware. Um, and the bottom line is that there are multiple factors contributing to this horrible disease, this debilitating disease, this disease that can serve to uh, prematurely kill um, men and women who served in the Persian Gulf, as well as their children and their wives, because unfortunately they failed to recognize, they refused to recognize the fact that these uh, toxins were transmittable vis-a-vis the soldiers' uniforms and gear that they brought home. So subsequently, this, these toxins were transmitted uh, like secondhand smoke, similar to the whole notion of secondhand smoke, to wives, to children, and to those who might have come in contact with that gear. And then the other problem we had was the fact that all my friendly fire casualties, and by the way, I had 123 that survived and a lot that didn't survive, and they've never been given the provided the medical care as required by the Department of Affairs at the Baltimore, Maryland thing. But the other thing we found out with everybody and all this stuff, especially with the shrapnel, is the DU was transmittable via the semen and definitely in all of the genetic coding. So when we had uh, Hans Schreider did all the work, Schroeder did the work in Germany, he found all the RNA and DNA changes as a result of direct DNA exposures. So it's just a catastrophic nightmare. And now the thing with all the base closures, and we look at the bases are contaminated, it doesn't stop at the fence line. It 
goes and goes no, and doesn't. goes, and it hits it and it hits not. and it hits. And the thing that bothers me and what they don't want to th- say is, well, it's not in your water table or it's in your groundwater and didn't go there or nobody's sick. And yet you see all of the medical problems and everything, they're disavowed. And then when you speak up to get it clean, cleaned up, as happens to me, the Air Force and the Army, and the Air Force is very, very successful at that, use their attack dogs to go after all of the, uh, what do you want to say? <laughs> those, who those who stand up, those who stand up against this egregious uh, outrage, including me, I might add, as you know full well, during the time that Doug and I were grappling over the McCullen Air Force Base, I had threats upon my life. I had an attempted rape. I was roughed up by the police. I was wrongly and fraudulently arrested, and uh, which I might add, all of this has gone away. Uh, so I don't want you folks to think that this is a, uh, a criminal necessarily. Judge not, lest you be judged. I might add. However, with that said. I, at the time, was no more than 100 pounds, and I stand at 5 foot 4. I can assure you that during this time, what happened to me is indeed this. I, as as Doug talks about, it doesn't end at the boundary. McCullen Air Force Base was so filthy that it bleeds out. All of this bleeds out into the soil. So folks around there were becoming ill. And a woman contacted me. I had just come back from Yugoslavia where I had done bomb damage assessment, and I had a a wonderfully calibrated uh, Geiger counter. She contacted me and told me that she and her husband were ill. I went out to her home and took my Geiger counter with me and, in fact, Her house was hot. It was actually, her house was so hot and the chemicals were so prolific that her uh, her slab, her cement slab, had, had actually cracked and these toxins were seeping up through her ground floor. That's how toxic it was. The bottom line is that the Sacramento County, this woman who was a brazen broad, just my kind of woman, when I identified this, painted on the outside of her home, danger, radioactive material, danger, radiation. Thereafter, now this was not a fancy enclave, I might add. This is a neighbor, this is a working class neighborhood, a lovely neighborhood, but a working class neighborhood. They didn't have any of the, uh, the business of the, uh, the, uh, committees that oversee, uh, the HOA, that's what they're called. Um, any of these committees that oversee the, what you can and cannot do with your house. This was this woman's first Amendment right to do this. Danger, radio, uh, radiation. Big, big letters. Lo and behold, it must have been about December 29 of 2000, it was, I believe. Um, 
or was it not? Dale, do you remember? Was it 1999 or 2000? You recall? I can't remember. There's so many things that have happened. It's all blurred together. It's right. turned into I a understand. nightmare. So what happened was this. Lo and behold, this woman who has every right to do this, this is her home, does this, and the city of Sacramento, or the county of Sacramento, got an order to go and paint over her house without her permission. I repeat, this, the Sacramento County got an order to go out to this woman's house and paint over that which she had written on the outside of her home as a warning to her neighbors and to anyone and everyone else. So, the police arrived, and this good woman rings me, and I get into my trusty little uh, red pony at the time, a uh, little Nissan, and ride out there. And I go up <clears throat> to the uh, police. There are police standing around. There are, uh, there's a crowd that's gathered, because this woman is savvy. She also calls the press. And... Um, so what happened was, to make a long story short or a short story long, I come up and say to the police, uh, what's going on here? What's going on here? And I yell to the painter, to him, as I'm, as I'm walking up to the house, what's going on here? I might add the woman who lived in the house was asking this question as she was entitled to and in fact had been told to mind her own business. This is her home. So I said, what's going on here? I called out to the painter, what's going on here? And I'm on this woman's home. I've been invited onto her home, onto her lawn. The painter refused to answer, and the police, or the coppers, as I might call them, said to me, now, I want you to envision, I'm 100 pounds, I'm 5 foot 4. Now, I want to ask you, does that sound terribly dangerous to you? The biggest thing about me is my mouth. We all know that, right? So the bottom line is that these coppers came and called, they said to me very nicely, Patricia, because I had given them my card, Patricia, come over here, please. Come over here and let us talk to you. I went and spoke with them. I, 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 I uh, followed their request and their order, and I said to them, what's going on here? You know that this is, uh, this is against the Constitution. This is a constitutional abuse. No sooner had I used the word Constitution than these coppers took me by the back of my, took my arms behind my, my uh, back and actually lifted me off the ground, thereby ripping my arms out of my sockets, I might add, and escorting me to a police car. That is the conduct and performance of Sacramento County Police. And Doug, too, has encountered this type of egregious conduct. The same thing happened with the Rantoul Police Department set up by the EPA in the U.S. Air Force at Schnute Restoration Advisory Board when I was going to present all the documents. 
uh, the same individuals that have been involved in all this stuff set up the lies that didn't do the DU, didn't clean up, there was no health effects and everything, no chemical exposure, no chemical training. Because as remember, what we all knew when you learned this afterwards, as you mentioned and Jim too confirmed, we had to do incredible nuclear biological chemical warfare training prior to deployment during mobilization. And we did it here. And we did it all over. Because we knew Iraq had the chemical and biological weapons, which has now turned into a catastrophe. But the other thing, too, and I just found out about this not even 48 hours ago, that Fort McClellan, Alabama, now we have Fort, we got McClellan Air Force Base in California is totally contaminated, but we also have Fort McClellan in Alabama is totally contaminated, which is home of the Chemical Corps and the military police until they closed. And now they have, or they're trying to get what's called the Fort McClellan Health Registry Act through Congress and the VA. Can you repeat that, please, a little slower? Would you say that again? The Fort McClellan Health Registry Act. It was introduced in Congress, and they're trying to get it through. And what it does is, again, going through and identifying all the known health problems and medical problems. And when I talked to the VA patient advocate not even 24 hours ago on this, and I said, hey, what is this? How do I get this? Well, call your congressman. You've got to get past it. And I said, wait a minute. I have the diagnosed medical problems from this are confirmed here in your own document. And I have to get an act passed through Congress to get care for which I already have a disability for, for which you know has caused the problem. Yeah, call your congressman. And so we've got incredible levels of contamination all over that community. I was down there as a director of the DU project. and went back down there as director of the Bradley Labs until I blew the whistle on the project shed use on Pelham Range and other areas and all the contamination from DU and everything. But uh, it's, how do you get by with this stuff? I mean, Jim Binns totally in his report, as we talked about before, confirmed all of the medical problems, the health effects, the orders, the lie, the cheat and steal. And then we all have a copy, and Patricia, you've seen it. Most have got a copy of Los Alamos Memorandum. I mean, Gary Knowles features it in his films that I was handed to to lie on the reports in order to avoid all liability for the health and environmental effects of uranium munitions. Well, now when we get all this stuff in Ray Clark and his book, The Never Anymore on PTSD, we're talking about moral injury. They just had Ryan's story all over the news this weekend about this incredible Navy SEAL that committed suicide. He was sick. He couldn't get care. He couldn't deal with the lies and everything that had happened. And he had an incredible moral injury. And then all they want to do today now is prescribe medications, black box drugs. And as we talked about last week, now they actually want to prescribe marijuana. Well, um, Doug, uh, you know, forgive me, Ray, I pray you're still there. I hope you'll forgive us, both of us, as we have... Uh, essentially not giving you sufficient time, and you started to talk about the Lejeune Air Force Base. Would you be so good as to tell us about this, please? Ray? Off. Ray was in the Grand Canyon when he called in, so he was going oh. to lost. But down at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, U.S. Marine Corps Base, trichloroethylene was all over the groundwater and into the drinking water, and they came up where they got presumptive for exposures. But at the same time, they don't want to provide medical care to civilians and everybody affected. And we're seeing that trichloroethylene contamination across the nation. And when we pull up the actual 
reports from the contamination, you can go on the Internet now and pull it up. Trichloroethylene and then obviously Agent Orange, which is 2,4-D, 2,4-5-T, is catastrophic across the nation. And then you've got all the DU and you got all the other hazardous materials. And I guess, Patricia, you and I are both patriots, and, I mean, you've been totally involved in this for many, many years. When we have to do the training or operations, we're going to do it to defend our nation, but then we have to clean up the environment and provide the medical care. Isn't that what it's all about, just doing what's right afterwards? Yeah, just basically, my dear, it's just basic. I mean, the, the bottom line is that we are dealing with a host of immoral and amoral persons who believe that soldiers are nothing but cannon fire and therefore expendable, and that, uh, unfortunately, the civilian population who might that might be injured in the in the course of their military activity is also dispensable and disposable. We know this to be the case. Isn't that so? Yeah, I mean, that's a given thing because of the sheer numbers of casualties, but then it's gone to the children. And, you know, when Paul Lyons, who has co-hosted this radio show, committed suicide, he literally had gone to Shinseki and John Gingrich, who was the chief of staff, Colonel John Gingrich, and they asked for medical care based on the order that Shinseki signed based on our briefing him, correct? It's all documented, oh, yeah. right, Patricia? <laughs> oh, you bet. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, the regulations are in place to clean up all the contamination. And it's not just depleted uranium. It's everything else. Here in the last 48 hours or so, they've had fire upon fire, two fires, at the former Chinook Air Force Base as a contractor tries to get rid of the old aircraft they're going to junk. Well, what they're forgetting is the asbestos is in all those aircraft. They're forgetting all of the uranium DU that was used as ballast in all the aircraft. And then your local police and fire do not have the training or the information or education to respond to everything. And as we right. know, with DU, DU contamination, it takes a few micrograms. And again, the research and everything confirmed, and you did this on site in both Iraq and in the Balkans, the contamination is extensive. And the only hope you got is to get into medical care where you can do some, hopefully, remove the uranium through chelation or lung lavage within 72 hours of exposure. Because when they wait till a period of time, as we know when the autopsy proved, the stuff gets sequestered so you can't measure it in the urine or the feces, but it's in the body terrorizing the thing, i.e. Well, it's right. Excuse me, Doug. Let me justify my, for, for the benefit of those who don't, don't understand the impacts and consequences of toxin exposures. Toxins store in the fat cells, the liver, and the brain. So, therefore, they are prone to recirculate. For instance, even when one who has been exposed sweats, even if one who engages in heavy uh, exercise, this is, in fact, prone to recirculate, and therefore they become ill again. And, and the, the bottom line is that as they refuse to do anything about this, as they refuse to acknowledge this, this is a situation much akin to the, uh, the use of Agent Orange. How many years did it take before, in fact, um, Admiral Rickover and his folks convened a panel 
to, in fact, put forth the risks and the consequences and re- uh, report upon the uh, impacts and consequences of Agent Orange. And yeah, Admiral Elmo Zumwalt did that report, and it was released in 1990, and they're still hiding it this day from the VA. What has happened in the last 30, 90 days is the Air Force has finally confirmed the extensive use of Agent Orange at all of the bases in Thailand, which is where we know we were affected because I know I've got the video and the photograph. I took Super 8, and we were there, and we got contaminated, and the commanding general, Frank Elliott Platt, told me personally face-to-face and told my wife, we sprayed you at Schnute Air Force Base. Sorry, Doug. Sorry, Carol. And we also sprayed you at Utapau Air Force Base in Thailand. Well, that now is being acknowledged by the Department of Veteran Affairs, and that's just brand new in the last couple of months. And let me interject that, as you know, Doug, I went to Vietnam, um, oh, what was it, a year and a half ago or so, Doug, something something along that line. Um, and, and may I say this, that as horrible as the effects of Agent Orange are on our American soldiers, American and other soldiers, can I assure you that it is perhaps as much as a hundred times worse in Vietnam. You see the effects very, very, very clearly. And needless to say, the United States has done nothing to assist in tending to the after-effects, impacts, and consequences of Agent Orange upon the civilian population, just as they have refused to acknowledge the impacts and consequences of the use of so-called depleted uranium, also known as radioactive weaponry, upon the civilian population in Iraq and the surrounding area. We have an extraordinarily disproportionate um, uh, uh, ratio of cancers in um, Iraq, and let me tell you something, folks. Fallujah, which was was incinerated essentially, um, suffered extraordinarily, and they sought help. You know, we're talking about let's let's put a dose of reality in here. We talk about ISIS and the rise of ISIS, right? The bottom line is that had the United States and had the puppet government of Iraq moved to assist the civilian casualties as a consequence of that filthy war, that unnecessary war, forgive me, Doug, I don't mean to uh, offend you, but we both know that was nothing more than than an oil grab. It was an unnecessary war, with that said. But at any rate, they have refused to assist those folks. And the bottom line is that they're sick and they're dying, and that's why Fallujah was absolutely bloody well incinerated. We're out of time here again. This has been an incredible conversation. Patricia, we need to come back. I mean, I'm not sure where we're going to go. The contamination at the bases around the nation is staggering. You can pull it up, look at it, read it, try to get accountability, try to get medical care. That's all we can pray for. May I give my number God quickly? bless you. 775-412-5980. Yeah, I need help. 775-412-5980. I stand by ready to assist any veteran in need.
God bless you. Thank you. Cheers, cheers. Thank you for having me, dear. Cheers.